Faith and discipline. Disciplines of our faith is the title uh, for this first quarter. The disciplines of our faith. The disciplines are, are those things you do whether you feel like it or not. The question being, uh, how do you get good at something? Well, you practice. Uh, and yet I've never heard anybody come back to me and say, yes, I'm a great Christian. Right? <clears throat> but the truth is, is that uh, God expects us to undertake certain practices in our lives as followers of Jesus. And so I've referred to these as the disciplines of our faith, these things that we do no matter what. So we're in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35, 38. Here we go. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this morning and the opportunity we get to gather it's not just opportunity, it's privilege. God, that you give us to come into this place. God, that we can sing to you, that we can celebrate and worship you together as the body of Christ and to know, God, that your word teaches that when we gather in your name, you meet with us in this place. And so, God, help us to be aware, help us to be uh, attentive to what you're doing in our midst this morning and those things that you are are speaking to us and laying on our hearts, God, that we might be uh, mindful of the things that, that you want to accomplish, not simply in a room or, 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 or even in a community, but, God, the things that you want to accomplish in us. So, God, help us to hear from you this morning and help us to be surrendered and willing, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we all know this this particular, I mean, if you've been in any kind of worship time and, and, and preaching and messages and sermons and stuff, we've heard this, uh, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, so pray. And, and since I memorized everything in King James, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, right? We've heard this. We know this, this particular account. We understand that, that this is uh, one of the um, sort of Jesus is giving instruction. And when Jesus gives instruction, we, we should really pay attention. Huh? We should really be about it. So this is discipline number five. Faith and discipline, the disciplines of our faith. Number five is that we witness to the world, that we take the message of the good news, we take the message of the gospel, we go out into the world and share with a lost and dying world the hope that we have in Christ, the, 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 the hope that we have in, in, in what God has prepared and provided for us, all righty? So, uh, I have to give an update because everybody asks and so I will. Mom's doing really, really well. Mom's doing great, as a matter of fact. Matter of fact, Wednesday they ran me out. <laughs> Having been there so much lately, Mom said, you need to go home. 
not long followed by my father going, you need to go home. I'm like, why? They're like, because you need to be with your family and you need to be with your church. And I was like, all right, three o'clock this afternoon, I'm out of here. So I came home early this week and mom's doing well and I thank you for your prayers. Um, so that's the update. I won't tell you about cleaning out the refrigerator. That was not pleasant. So this passage in Matthew, this this is a particular part of Jesus' ministry in Matthew where, where Jesus is, is doing a lot. If you read all of chapter 9, you're going to see that, that the account of what Jesus is doing is Jesus is, is doing and he's doing and he's doing. And, and, and at the very beginning of chapter 9, it says, so he got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Well, I thought about that. I thought, where is he? What, what, what is he referring to that is his own town? Well, all of the scholars agree, and according to the geography of what's going on here, Jesus' own town is, is the, the, the town or the city of Capernaum. Okay, It's on the northern shore of the, the Sea of Galilee. And so he goes from what they say is a southern point on the Sea of Galilee, Galilee across the sea to Capernaum. And, and while in Capernaum, you know, he, he's undertaking a number of things. He's doing a lot. I mean, this is where, this is where he, he forgives the man his sins and then tells him to get up and walk. This, this is where he, 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 he called Matthew to be one of his followers. This is where he, he ate with the tax collectors and then got questioned about eating with the tax collectors. This is, this is where he healed the woman who was, who was bleeding for 12 years. This is where he, he healed the dead girl. Okay? This is where he healed blind men who cried out to him. This is where he, he drove demons out of people. Right? So, Jesus is really busy in chapter 9. Over and over again, he's just doing and doing and doing so that when we get to this last section of chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, we see that phrase there, Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. You see, this is pretty cool to understand that, that Jesus was, was out and about. Jesus went out into the community. Jesus went out into the little villages and the little, the little um, you know, down in, it's, it's interesting, the mission trips that I've been on down in Mexico, uh, you go to towns and cities, but then you get out and about from the towns and cities and you're in what they refer to as colonias. These little bitty villages, there's not much to them. Uh, typically speaking, there's some kind of representation of church there. There's some sort of representation of a town square. There, there might be little corner, corner uh, convenience stores, but not like they, they call them bodegas or whatever. There's these little things on the corner where you can go get you know, some, some Coke or something, but, but, but in the, but that, that's kind of the same sort of picture that we get from the area of Capernaum on the northern coast of, of Galilee, of the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus was moving from little village and little community, little neighborhood and little things, uh, uh, all around in there. And, and most scholars say that Capernaum was his adopted sort of second home. We know that Jesus is referred to as being from Nazareth and Nazareth is, is west of the Sea of Galilee. But this is one of those things because his, his Sea of Galilee ministry 
with calling fishermen to follow him and, and, and multiplying fishes and, and speaking on the hillsides around the sea and, and doing all these things. Jesus went and worked. He worked the community. So, so, uh, when, when, during one of our gathering in the word devotional verses, we, we were dealing with, uh, Matthew's, uh, the great commission, you know, as you're going, uh, the assumption is you're going to go. You're going to be out in the world. You're going to be out in the community. You're going to run into people. Last week's message was about meeting with people, right? So you're going to run into people. You're going to be out and working in the community. So what work are you doing? Right? What is it that you're accomplishing out in the community? You see? It's interesting to run into people in their jobs. Right? There's this one lady that, and Angie stepped in the back back there, there's one lady that we run into, or she runs into, I don't run into her. But this one lady, she 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 straightens stuff over at Harris Teeter. She works for one of the suppliers or something, like chips and stuff. And so she goes in and straightens stuff, right? That's her job is to straighten stuff. So it's almost like every time Angie goes over there to Harris Teeter, she runs into her. And we know her mainly by our children in the school that our children went to and all that sort of thing. But when you run into people, when they're doing life, what do you accomplish? All right? Well, what is it that that is sort of purpose for you when you run into people? When you're out in the community, when you're you you've gone out into the uh this passage refers to the field, right? The harvest fields. Jesus was out in the field and guess what Jesus did out in the field? Jesus did what Jesus does right? Healed people, preached, taught, shared with people about the kingdom, right? Jesus went out and worked. He did what Jesus does. Now, that's the challenge for us because if God wants us to be more like Jesus, right? Then when we go out into the community, one of the things that God has an expectation of in our lives is that we do what God wants us to do. And the thing that God wants and expects of us is that we're out sharing the kingdom. That we're out sharing the good news, the gospel with other people. So here's the rundown. This is is discipline number five. Number one was we're going to spend time with the master. You're going to set aside time. We are going to set aside time to spend time with God every day. Whether you feel like it or not. Whether you don't have the time to do it or not, we're going to spend time with the master. Second thing, we're going to, we're going to live in the word. We're going to, we're going to spend time in God's word, right? You're going to set aside some time to get into the word of God. The third one is, is we're going to pray in faith. We're going to pray believing that we are a part of what it is that God's doing. You see? That generated some questions this week. I don't know if y'all know that, but generated a few questions. But but praying in such a way that we're a part 
of what it is that God's accomplishing. Okay? The third one from last week was go to church. No, it wasn't. The third one last week was that we meet in fellowship with other believers. Whether it's in a building like this and praising God together, or whether it's on the street corner or in your living room or at the restaurant or or in the line at the food line. Wherever it is, when we meet up with believers, we're meeting up with the purpose and intent of bringing God glory, of living out our testimony and faith. Wherever we meet up with people, you know, I shared a couple of examples last week about, yeah, right there in the, in the, in the line at Hardy's, we were having church. Okay? So, so, so when we as believers go out into the community and share with people the hope that we have in Christ, you see, we're having church if that's the way you want to put it. Now we're engaging in the fellowship and the communion and the connection of the body of Christ for God's glory. You see, that's, that's the fourth one. And this one is titled in the book, and, and I was glad Steve said he got him a copy of one of these books. You can shop around on the internet and find you one, but you might pay for it. Um, but, but this one for this week, the title of it is, is that we witness to the world. What does it mean? Okay, that mean I got to sign up for the, for the evangelism class? Does that mean I got to memorize the outline? Does that mean I got to show up at 6.30 on Tuesday night so I can be out there in the neighborhood at 7 o'clock? Sure, you can do all of those things, and I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm just saying that it's not necessarily programmed that we witness to the world. We just get out in the world and be witnesses. That we get out there like like Jesus, Jesus went and Jesus worked. Guess what? We go out and we witness to the hope that we have in Christ. That's what he's calling us to do. But there's some some, some key little points in here that I want us to realize. First is, is that guess what? You're going to go. I, I have yet to find somebody that is a true recluse. They have contact with somebody. Might not be many somebody um maybe if i have time i wanted to, i wanted to pick the passage apart this week more than i did last week so here you go it says uh when he saw when he saw the crowds when jesus saw see jesus is always paying attention to what's going on around him certainly jesus is the greatest example of having eyes to see and ears to hear. Jesus saw people. Jesus Jesus saw not just the people, but Jesus saw the need. And because Jesus, now we're not Jesus, and I'm not telling you to do what Jesus does. Jesus went and did what Jesus does. We got to go and do what it is God's called us to do. When Jesus saw people, he saw their heart and knew every man's heart, right? He knew all of mankind's heart, so he knew their greatest need, just like the rich young guy shows up and says, how do I, how, how do I uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven? He says, well, you got to keep the commands, okay? I kept them all since I was a kid, and you got to sell everything you got and give it to the poor. Ooh, I have a lot of stuff, Jesus, Right? And in that text, we know that Jesus knew that that was the man's 
God. And thus it was his greatest need. And he went away sad. Can I tell y'all something? You're not going to run into anybody in our community or in this world that doesn't need Jesus. Now what I mean by that, you're going to run into some Christians and they got Jesus, but guess what? They need more. And maybe you're that representation of Christ that they run into today that's going to be the encouragement to them that they need today. Or maybe they're lost. Now, it was interesting a few weeks ago when I was talking about uh, in the daily devotionals and stuff, I got an email. Somehow I got a response from one of the devotionals this week about from somebody who actually said, you know, Bobby, it just distresses me that I share Jesus with people, but they don't want him. I share Jesus with people and they talk about other faith systems and other belief systems. Well, guess what? That's true. You're going to run into people that don't want anything to do with Jesus. Personally, I have an opinion about that, as if you're surprised by that. People don't want to answer to God. People don't want to submit to God's guidelines. People don't want to believe that one day they're going to have to stand before an almighty creator and answer for their choices. Right? And so when you share Jesus with them, they're like, oh no, that means I'll have to do something. There are people who reject Jesus because they're selfish. Okay, There are people who reject Jesus just because they don't have the faith to believe in Jesus. You're going If you share Jesus with everybody you run into, you're going to run into people that aren't going to accept Jesus. Guess what? All that's up to God. What God has called you to do is to share Jesus. So you can't drop that ball. You see? And here's the thing, Jesus saw, saw the crowds and he felt compassion for them. He felt compassion, he cared. Because they were distressed, in this, in this, this uh, translation, they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, I want you to just briefly, momentarily, consider the world we live in. Think the folks we run into are distressed and dejected. Think we run into people who are just aimless and wandering. Do you think we we, we have a problem with hopelessness in the world around us? See, Jesus himself knew that he was the answer to the distress and the dejection and the lack of a shepherd. Jesus knew he was the answer. My people have no shepherd, right? And in John 10, we know Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, so Jesus saw, and, and here's the thing that just really, I, 
this is this is a prayer point for me. He had compassion. He cared. He loved them. He loved these people. And they were aimless and wandering. And guess what? The religion of their day, the Judaism that 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 they had in the in the in the country at that time was not shepherding them to God. It was shepherding them to the rules and the law. And Jesus said he had compassion and 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 and, and cared that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, there are a lot of ways today that that churchianity's done the same thing. Too many times we, we point people to the wrong thing when we're supposed to be pointing people to Jesus. See, Jesus is the shepherd. See, Jesus loved the crop. Right? I've told y'all before, I'm not a farmer. Mm-mm. Matter of fact, I'd just soon have a concrete yard. I don't like cutting grass either. I don't like it. Right? But but Jesus loved the people. And then he, he goes on to teach them something. He says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. There's an abundant harvest out there. He, he, he sees the people as a crop ready to be harvested. Whether, whether in, in, in that day and time and what he was looking at in his mind or what he, the, the word picture he was painting for his disciples was about, about grain fields, maybe, maybe grain fields. Maybe, maybe heavy vineyards and vines with grapes that are hanging down and, and weighting the vines down, but there's nobody there to pick the grapes, and there's nobody there to, to reap the grain, and, 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 or, 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 or actually, in, there's only a few people who have truly come to reap the harvest. Right? Oh, y'all. This gets worse, just so you know. He says, pray, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to us, you're right. He's talking to his disciples right there in, in, in the close connection context. Do, do you think they saw themselves as the workers? Or, or are they just the followers of Jesus? They're just the ones following Jesus around. Or do they realize that in the coming days, they're the ones that are going to be going out into the fields to harvest the fields? They're the ones Jesus is, is training up and, and, and building up and, and equipping to be the harvesters. Look around our community. Is the harvest plentiful? Do you think you and I might run into some people this week that need Jesus? 
Maybe they don't want him. Maybe they don't care that you got Jesus. Maybe they've never even, it's never even entered their mind that they need to consider Jesus. But can I tell you something? If you don't start the conversation, you'll never know. You'll never know. I said in one of the devotionals, I don't know if it was this week or maybe it's in the upcoming weeks because recording these videos, they've got me so far ahead, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But if you need to teach somebody about Jesus, it's not about having a degree in, 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 you know, some Bible divinity or something like that. It's simply about telling people about the hope that you have in Jesus. It's simply telling people about something you've learned about Jesus. It's simply telling people about something that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus has done in your life. That's all. And if you do it, that's what God has called and expected you to do. God's not put you in charge of their response. God's not put you in charge of their salvation. God has simply said that we're the ones who are supposed to go and work the fields. Okay? Pray. I saw it was really funny. I listened to one guy preach on this this week because I drove a lot this week. Um, He said, there's an irony in this, that Jesus is telling the workers to pray to the owner of the field, the owner of the harvest, the one who has the opportunity to hire and send new workers to send new workers, right? See, the prayer question was, is that God's going to do what God wills to do. God will do what God wills to do. But God also includes us in the process, and prayer is one of the things he includes. We have have to pray because God anticipates, expects, and commands us to pray. And in prayer, we become a part of God's solution, God's answers, God's work. You see? Work the field, folks. God's given you a field to work. Um, 1984, January of 1984. See, I saved my story to the end this week. Okay. Told stories all week long last week. I listened to it with mom this week, and I thought, man, did I ever get to the Bible? Anyway, I wanted to just give you this this morning. Do you love the people you run into? You love the folks in line at Harris Teeter? You love the people you sit around at the McDonald's or the Hardee's or the whatever? Do you love the folks that live on your street? Can we get a little more close? Do you love your family members that don't know Jesus? See that? Uh, 1984, I went to Columbia Bible College. I had been to the University of South Carolina for two years. I had been to Lander College for a year. And so God had refined my direction in life and sent me to Columbia Bible College. Didn't know the place, didn't know anything about it. Walked into this very pristine-looking, very um, 
I don't know. It was, it was a dorm room. And nothing in there. Concrete block walls and and big old aluminum glass windows and a closet for me and and two roommates. People I didn't know. One guy's name was Jason and the other guy's name was Bill. And, and at the time, I, I guess I thought they were older than me and they might have been older than me. I don't know. But um, they were nothing like me. I mean it. Man, these guys, you know, these, you know, you put 10 people in a room, you'll generally gravitate to one or two that y'all are kind of like. Y'all can be friends and hang out together. Guess what? You could have put 100 people in a room. I'd never gravitated toward these two. Never. Jason and Bill, right? Jason had the single bed. There was a bunk bed and then a single bed. Jason had the single bed because he was, I don't know. Anyway, he got it. I had the lower bunk bed because I'm short. Bill had the upper bunk bed because he's tall. We were laying there one night. And real quiet, you know. I heard Bill crying. Just crying. I'm laying below him like, I'm not asking. I don't want to know what he's dealing with in his own head. But the next day I did ask. I said, Bill, man, you were crying last night. What were you crying about? And this is what he said, and I'll never forget this. Obviously, this is, what, 40 years later? He said, I was just thinking about all the lost people in the world who don't know Jesus. And it just broke my heart. That's convicting to me. Because I admit, I don't recall crying for lost people. Right here. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Why witness to the world? Why work the field? Because Jesus did. And Jesus called us to. It's our fifth discipline. We only got one more after today. This is our fifth discipline to witness, to go out and be the salt and light God called you to be. See, this morning, if you don't know Jesus, you need Jesus. That's the greatest need in your life. But if you got Jesus, guess what? God wants you to share Him. God wants you to introduce others to Him. God expects us to. Okay? Maybe you feel like, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good enough to. Maybe you feel like I don't know enough to. Well, look, you know Jesus. So that's what you talk about is Jesus. Right? We're going to sing one more song. You get to praise God together. One more time.
Or you can hang out the rest of the morning if you want to. But we're going to sing a song, give you the opportunity to just praise God together. If you don't know Jesus, I want to introduce you to him. One of us will anyway. Somebody wants to introduce Jesus to you this morning. Maybe you know him, but you're not living for him. The Bible just calls that sin. The Bible says we're supposed to confess and repent of our sin. Maybe you want to be a part of what God's doing here at the gathering. This is the time to just step out, come down here and ask. All right? As we sing. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for this day, for today. God, we get to gather in this place and realize, God, that you loved us enough to send somebody to us with the message of the gospel. Now, God, help us pay attention and be the ones who go to others with the message of the gospel. I thank you, God, for loving us. God, help us to love you back and then help us to love those around us and to love those around us with Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.